Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. And thank you once again for all of your prayers and all of your messages as I now journey on the road of recovery and look forward to seeing you as soon as I possibly can. In the meantime, every once in a while we find ourselves in a conversation that is often about sports, but it could be another topic in which a question comes up that sparks some lively conversation, if not outright debate. And the question is, who's the goat? If you're not familiar with the term, a goat isn't just an animal that compares unfavorably to a sheep in the Bible, because in pop culture, goat is an acronym standing for greatest of all time. Who's the goat? Who's the greatest of all time? In basketball, we might think of Michael Jordan. In baseball, there's Lou Gehrig, there's Willie Mays, there's Mickey Mantle, there's Cal Ripken Jr., and a number of others that you can think of. And in football, as much as it pains me to say it, some people will think of the name Tom Brady. But the question of who the GOAT is can also apply to musicians or actors or people in other professions or just any walk of life. And I mention it to you today because it's also a question that comes up in the Gospels, including today's lesson from the Gospel according to Mark, where Jesus and his disciples are journeying through Galilee to the fishing village of Capernaum. Because even though Nazareth was Jesus' hometown, Capernaum was his home base for mission and ministry, and also the corporate headquarters for Peter and the others who ran their fishing business out of Capernaum because it was centrally located on the north shore of the Sea of Galilee. Anyway, just to set the stage for all of this, Mark tells us that as they move, through Galilee toward Capernaum. Jesus doesn't want anybody to know this, where they're going or what they're up to. It sounds kind of peculiar, but what it says to us is that he's taking a break from his public ministry in order to focus on his leaders, on those 12 who he personally called. And on their way to this leadership retreat, if you will, While they were still on the road, not yet at Capernaum, Jesus makes a statement that was obviously very perplexing to them. When he says to them, the son of man will be betrayed. He will be killed. And after three days, he will rise again. Now, there are a number of issues with that statement, one of which has to do with that term, son of man, which you actually find about 80 times in the New Testament. But it still sounds strange to me because you and I are used to calling Jesus the son of God. But Jesus routinely refers to himself as the son of man for at least three possible reasons. One of which is that the term son of man does show up in the Old Testament in books like Ezekiel and Daniel and other places as a way of pointing to the coming Messiah. Another reason is that the term son of God in those days was also a political term that leaders, including Roman emperors, used to refer to themselves. And Jesus obviously doesn't want people to think of him that way. And the third reason I'll say for later The other issue is that while the concept of resurrection was familiar to the disciples because of their religious life, the idea that the Messiah would be defeated, the Messiah would be killed, was completely incomprehensible to them. It was antithetical to them. It just did not compute. And so Mark says that they didn't understand it, but they were afraid to ask about it. 
Maybe they didn't get it. Maybe they didn't want to hear it. Or maybe it had to do with the real reason which we find when they arrive in Capernaum and they're, they're in the house, which is presumably Peter's house. And Jesus asks a question to which he already knows the answer. And the question is, what were you guys arguing about on the road? What were you talking about? And there's a lot of silence going on because what they knew is that what they were talking about while Jesus was trying to teach them something of eternal importance was the matter of who the goat was among them. Who was the greatest disciple of all time? Who was the one with the gravitas? Who was the ranking member? Who was the leader? Who was the one uh, with the influence and the dominance? Because those issues were very important in first century uh, religion as well as culture. Not that they aren't today. But therein lies the contrast. Here's Jesus, and he's trying to communicate something about his willingness to be unpopular, his willingness to sacrifice, his willingness to serve, his willingness to die for the people that God loves. And his followers are talking about who the goat is. So the Jesus agenda for this leadership retreat and the disciples agenda could not have possibly been further apart. So what does Jesus do about this? Well, Mark tells us that he sits down in the house and that was the posture for the first century rabbi, unlike preachers and teachers today who stand up in order to talk. But he sits down and that gets their attention until he breaks the silence by saying to them, guys, if you want to be the goat, or as he put it, if you want to be first, then you got to be last. You want to be the greatest of all, then you've got to be the servant, the least of all. And then to illustrate his point, he finds this child in the house who is evidently running around, must belong to somebody, and he embraces that child, hugs them, puts his arms around them, and says to those 12 disciples, whoever welcomes one of these in my name welcomes me and welcomes the one who sent me. And that statement may sound very nice to us, but frankly, there's a lot more to it than meets our eyes today. And I say that because of the fact that back then, children were looked upon a little bit differently than we see them today. Today, we look at kids and, and we're very sentimental and we say, you know, they're so wonderful and they're so valuable and they're so precious and uh, they're this and, and they're that. And uh, we live in a culture where kids often run the lives of their parents rather than the other way around. But back then, it isn't that parents didn't love their children, but they were conditioned to look at children and see their unimportance, their insignificance, their lack of greatness. And so when Jesus hugs the kids, much to the chagrin of the, of the disciples in the very next chapter in the Gospel of Mark, he's also telling them something He's also reminding them that he has come to turn their own ideas of greatness completely inside out. He has come to redefine greatness and to let them know that in the kingdom of God, 
Life is more about your affection than your success. It's more about what you give than what you get. It's about the fact that the things the world calls great often turn out not to be very great at all. And that the things that are truly great in the eyes of God seem small and lowly in the eyes of the world. So what does that say to you about your, yourself, about your life, about the people around you, about those who want to lead you in one way or another? Well, for openers, I think it says something that I hope you hear a lot here at St. Andrew, but as Martin Luther once put it, we need to hear it every day because we forget it every day. And that has to do with the fact that Jesus comes into this world to show us that when we are his followers, when we're children of the kingdom of God, that the way up is down. The way to be big is to be little. The way to rule is to serve. The way to influence people is to build up the people around you. The way to be close to someone is for you to go where they are. The way to get them to love you is for you to love them first. That, I think, is the third reason that Jesus refers to himself as the Son of Man who came down to share our humanity and to show us what real life in the kingdom is all about and often just the opposite of what the world tries to tell you. The other thing that it says to us is that you and I can look at whatever we do in new and different ways. We can look at ourselves in new and different ways. So that you don't just work at McDonald's, you feed hungry people. You're not just a babysitter. You're shaping human lives with wonderful memories. You don't just change tires. You help kids to go to school and adults to go to work and families to go to church. And I'm not saying that you can't be successful at any of that or, or anything else that you do. You can be the, the head of your company. You can be a high-ranking military official. You can play in the NBA. You can do a lot of other things. As long as you baptize what you do in the glory, the service, and the purpose of God, and stop worrying about who the goat is because you already know. And when by the grace of God, you live that way, then your life is changed. It is completely transformed. And the people around you will see it and it will draw them to the transforming reality of Jesus. And when you don't do that, or the so-called leaders around you fail to do that, you will see that too. In fact, there's a new book coming out uh, that I haven't read yet, but the title is, If God is Love, Then Don't Be a Jerk, which may be uh, not quite as nice a way of what Jesus was saying to his 12 disciples at their leadership retreat in the Gospel of Mark. And that brings me to what is probably the most important lesson in this short passage of scripture. Namely, that the one who calls himself the Son of Man and lets us call him the Son of God, the one who is patient and persistent with self-centered, driven people who don't always get it and don't always even pay attention, the one who gives us this new brand of greatness by showing us a Messiah who comes down, who serves, who sacrifices, 
and who suffers. That is the goat. That is the greatest of all time. And his greatness is so magnanimous that he even is willing to share the greatness with every woman and man, every girl and boy who by his grace desires to live the life of Christ and to show this broken world what real life in him is all about until we are reunited with him someday in a resurrection like his. And so for that, I say, thanks be to God today. And with that, I say, have a great day in Jesus. Have a truly great life in the goat, the greatest of all time, the giver, the lover, the servant of all. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.